Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, today I'm going to talk about the Great Divide last time, and we're going to talk about how do I overcome the storms of life. Now, somebody, I remember said this a long time ago. I wish I knew where I read it, where I heard it, where I saw it. But it is true that every one of us here, whether you're a Christian or not, and we're, if you're not a Christian and you're not a Christian after you leave here, you keep coming back. It's okay. You're fine. Um, we're either coming out of a storm trial or we're in a storm or we're going into a storm. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? And that's just true because we live in a fallen world I mean, we're all imperfect here. Everybody's imperfect out there. We do things to each other. We let each other down. The morals are upside down, so things do happen. There's a real devil. And so we know that the storms of life do come. Now, let me put it to you uh, in the context of what I think would kind of give you a visual, mental image of, um, of storms. I like the Olympics. I like winter and I like summer Olympics. I like summer a little bit more. And one of the things I like about summer Olympics is I like gymnastics. Anyone like gymnastics, summer Olympics? But I like watching female gymnastics more than men because they're just more graceful, right? And they're a lot better looking, amen? <laughs> so, well, for us guys, they're better looking, okay. But, um, but the one thing that really makes me nervy, gives me a lot of anxiety, is watching them on that four-inch wide balance beam. Anyone know what I mean? That's a very stressful thing for me to watch. Now, to be honest, if there's a, a woman from another country on the balance beam, I have no stress whatsoever. <laughs> kind of hoping they'll fall off the balance beam. You know, because you cut me, I, I bleed red, white, and blue all the way. I'm an American, man. I'm American. And so... Yeah. And so, are you taking notes, Dylan, for the future? But anyway. <laughs> but, I mean, these girls, it's four inch wide, flat on the top, and they get up there, and they're twisting, they're turning, they're doing backflips on that thing. And then some of them, even, and I don't know how they ever, how did they start to practice this? There's that little springboard, and they go run, and they spring off it, spin in the air, and land on the balance beam. Have you seen that one? I'm, I'm, I'm just terrified watching that on TV. I, I mean, the only, uh, the only sport I think I could qualify for, maybe get to the Olympics on, is winter, is to do the curling. <laughs> I think I could become an Olympian in that, okay? Some of you have no idea what curling, you think you're curling at the gym, no, okay. So, but watching all that happen, and I'm just nervous, I'm nervous, and they do the spin, and they're like, oh, I go, no, 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 don't fall, you know. But life storms are like that. Don't you ever feel like when you're in the storm, I mean, it's twisting you, it's turning you, it's back flipping you, and it almost feels like you only have a little four-inch wide platform to stand on because you can't go this way or that way. You're going to fall and everything's going to go bad. Any amens on that? That's what it feels like. That's exactly what a storm feels like. So today, because all of us are familiar with storms in our series, The Great Divide, and storms can split our thinking from faith to doubt. Say faith. faith. To doubt. Okay, remember that as we, we go on. So we're going to look at these storms of life. And hopefully I'll give you some things that, that help you maneuver through it. So I'm going to give you three points. 
Turn to Matthew chapter 14 if you have your Bibles or your, or your app. Matthew 14, New Testament. Um, I'm going to give you three points. And in point three, I'm going to um, give you four bullet thoughts off of point three. Okay, you ready for that? Okay, good. Because even if you're not, it's coming. Here we go. Number one, in a storm, what, what must I do? I must trust God's word in the storm. Any amens? Very simple, right? I have to trust God's word in the storm. Question. Oh, let me read the verses. I'm sorry. Let me read uh, Matthew 14, 22 and 23. And it says this. Immediately he, and that's Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. After he had sent the crowds away, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. Now, first question. Who told them to get in the boat? Once they get in the boat, what does he tell them to do once they're in the boat? Go to the what? Go to the other side. So Jesus gives two commands. Get in the boat, go to the other side. What's interesting here, the, to differentiate, in Matthew chapter 8, there was another boating experience with these same disciples. But in that experience, he did not command them to get in the boat. They just got in the boat, it says. But here he says, you get in the boat. So there's a whole different experience. And in Matthew 8, Jesus got in the boat with them. In Matthew 14, he doesn't get in the boat. So it's almost like he's prepping them for a future time when he will ascend and he will be gone and they will now have the invisible Holy Spirit to be with them, right? You see that right there? Now, so back to the Word. So the Word. You follow the Word of God. You stay with the Word of God while you're in a storm. He commanded them, get in the boat, they do. He commanded them, go to the other side, and they're going to try to get to the other side. Now here's one of the practical things that you and I need to practice. Because the Word of God is always a stabilizing force in the middle of our trials and storms, correct? Okay, think about this. If you've ever or you ever get a thought, strong impression of the Spirit of God in your mind, He drops thoughts in your mind because your Holy Spirit user friendly in your mind is, and it says to do something. Tell Him I said hi. And He says to do something. And then you follow your good biblical practices where you check the Word of God thoroughly, thoroughly to make sure that what He's telling you to do is biblical. You can do that, right? And then from there, you talk to other spiritual people who are further along than you, and you ask them this and show them that. Say, what do you think? Does this sound like this is God in my life? And that's a good thing because in the multitude of counselors, there is wisdom. Too many people just do things without ever really asking the Spirit of God and to their own detriment. Now, once you get there and you launch into what this thing is because all you've checked all the boxes but then you get out there. How many know when you launch out that it doesn't go according to plan in your mind, right? Because you have it a certain way in your head, but it never goes that way. There's always these hiccups, and sometimes it's not hiccups, it's throw up, right? It gets, it gets really bad out there. So when you're in that spot of the hiccup, the tendency is for many people is to doubt that that was God, correct? Correct. And so we start going with emotion instead of God's word. When you're in the middle of that thing and it's not going the way you thought, one of the smartest things you can do is always go back to the very first word that God spoke to you, right? Go back to that. Don't go with your emotions. Don't go with your doubt. Go back to what God said. 
Last week was the 30-year anniversary. We had a great weekend. One of the things that has helped me, especially in the first three to five years of starting New Beginnings, and uh, it's, it's really a rough thing to start a church, trust me, because nobody knows each other. There's no stability. It's a crazy, crazy thing, so I'm glad that's for younger people now. Amen to that one. Um, but um, I always had to go back when I doubted when I thought, this is not going to work, God. God, you made a mistake, or I made a mistake. So I always went back to the original word that God put in my mind, very strong impression, you will be a senior pastor. I always went back to that, and that kept me on track in my life. I always go back to the first word God spoke to you, because that is the word that you're going to bank your life and what you're doing on. Amen to that one? Now, did you notice in those two verses we read something very unique that we found in those verses? What is Jesus doing while they're out on the water? He's praying. That's right. He's praying. He's up on the mountain praying. Now watch this about Jesus. Put it up on the screen, Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. It says this. It's talking about Jesus as our high priest. Says, but Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues for how long? Forever. He's indestructible. He's forever. He's the God-man. Holds his priesthood permanently. Verse 25, therefore he is able also to save forever. Say forever. forever. No, no, no. Forever. Say it right, okay? Okay. Forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Oh, so what is Jesus constantly doing for you and I according to those verses? He's always praying. He is always lifting you up. He is always praying for every one of us. You know what that's important to bank on? Because how many times when we launch into something, do we feel like, oh God, you're with me? And then we get in the storm and then we feel like, oh God, where are you? Any amens on that? We tend to go that way because we go with our emotion and our doubt instead of what it says. No, he's never left me. He's praying for me. He ever intercedes for me. And I bank on God's word in that moment of time. Does that make sense? So that's your first little plank there when you're going through a, a storm. The second thing I want to say today is this. In storms, I must remember that storms come at the most unexpected and inopportune times. Am I right? Okay, watch this. Let's go back to the scriptures. Um, verse 23 and 24, or 24 and 25, I'm sorry. It says, but the boat was already a long distance. Say long distance. Long distance. From the land battered by the waves for the wind was contrary so it's pushing against them it's a, there's a headwind against them in the fourth watch of the night he came Jesus he came to them walking on the walking on the sea now first off somebody here might be thinking and I understand it I wasn't a Christian all my life I got, became a Christian at age 23 come on preacher you really believe that Jesus walked on water? Come on, that goes against natural law. That's not possible. Okay, let me back up to some series we've done here very quickly, but I'd like to rehearse this in your mind. We know now, science has now found out, not Christians, but science now found out that the universe actually had a beginning point, right? It's not eternal. There was a certain point they've discovered this, that if you took a videotape, went all the way back in time, to reduce the universe down to its first early moments, it wouldn't reduce down to a basketball or a bowling ball or a, or a ping pong ball. It reduced down to nothing. There was nothing, and then there was something. That's a fact now. And the only way that could happen is through something that's timeless 
immaterial, spiritual, all-powerful mind that could do something like that because you can't get something from nothing, okay? That's impossible. And that's what we call God, right? So now science has caught up with Genesis 1-1, which says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, correct? So if God makes all these things and science has proven that it had a beginning point in time, now we see the God-man, Jesus Christ, comes on the scene. He dies resurrected. Historical evidence, plenty of it, of his resurrection. He's the God-man. If he could create a universe, he could easily raise himself from the dead, right? Now, if he can create the universe, raise himself from the dead, he could easily walk on water. Am I right? So this is not a stretch for Jesus going, I don't know if I can do this one. I know I created everything, but that's a tough one right there. He's not going to do that, all right? I don't mean to be facetious, but think about that, okay? Now, back to the issue. Storms come at the most inopportune times. In Matthew 14, we just read that now they're in the middle of a storm. Now, Jesus has told them, get in the boat, go, and now they're in a storm. Do you know what happened right before this event? Right before this event, they had just watched Jesus take five loaves and two fish and multiply it to feed 5,000 people. And after they gather up the leftovers, there are 12 baskets full. How many of the disciples are there again? 12. 12. Oh, so when you serve Jesus, he always has plenty of stuff besides eating yourself. You get all the leftovers and all the goodies too. Any amens on that? So serving Jesus makes perfect sense. Now, if you're one of the 12 and you watch Jesus multiply everything, feed all these people, and you're part of it all, are you on a spiritual high or a spiritual low? You're on a high, right? Now think about that, spiritual high. And then he says, now get in the boat, go to the other side, and you begin to row out there to the other side, and then you encounter a storm that's ripping you apart. Now, have you gone from a spiritual high to a spiritual what? Low. Storms and trials always come at the wrong time, do they not? It's always at the most inopportune times, like, really, now, God? Really? You, you, you really couldn't wait on this one? Now, to give you um, visual and understanding of what they're in. In Israel, there was a time a few years back when um, there was drought. So the water receded on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is just a big lake. And a boat was exposed, a boat from the time of Jesus Christ. If you go there, you'll see it. It's in a museum right there on the shores of Galilee. That boat is, you can go online and see it too. That boat, but don't do it right now. Okay, all right. That boat's 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and four and a half feet deep. Now imagine that with 12 disciples and Jesus in that little boat. There's not much room, is there? Now, take that into consideration, and you go out on the lake, see a galley. The wind kicks up, and it's notorious for wind and big waves because the wind will come down the Jordan Valley. As it comes down, it picks up speed. Once it gets to the Sea of Galilee, it starts whipping those waves up, and the waves get very big, very big, and now it's hitting the boat. Now remember, 27 feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet deep, and it's battering it, and it's pushing against it, and there's water coming over the top. Are you nervous? Are you afraid? Say yes. Let me add more to that. It says when they were a long distance away, the word long distance literally means midst or middle. 
So now they're in the middle. Now the Sea of Galilee is 14 miles long, about 8 feet wide at its widest point. Let's pretend they're at the 8, eight feet wide mark. Now they're in the middle. So half of 8 is what? It's not, it's not tough. Okay, guys, okay. It's 4, all right? So they're 4 miles in and 4 miles away from where they're going. They're in the middle. Oh, let's add one more thing. It says they're in what time of day? In the fourth watch of the of the night. So is it daytime or is it nighttime? That's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So it's nighttime. So the, the boat's being battered by waves. There is opposing wind. It is dark. And they're out there in the middle. Is that what a trial feels like? Is that what a storm feels like? Say yes. That's exactly what it feels like. And they're in the middle of it. It's a, and, and they just had a spiritual high, and now it's a spiritual low. Oh my gosh, where are you, God? Now, let me sidebar for some of you that really need to hear what I'm going to tell you right now. Otherwise, you start to go shipwreck in your faith. Back in 09, when the crash happened, so we, we, all of those of us remember it, right? Everything went crazy at that time. It was, and it was all greed. It was all greed. Um, but people were panicked. And as a pastor, I'm watching people panic. I had a couple people individually come to my office, make an appointment. And they're nervous, and they're scared. I remember one lady, good lady. She comes in, and she starts explaining everything and what's going on, and you know they're losing everything and this and that. And she says something like this. What am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? See what she's really saying, what's the hidden sin in my life that if I find it, fix it, then overnight everything changes for good. Follow me? And I said, what do you mean? What, what am I doing wrong? I said, listen, you're caught up in a, in a massive storm. You didn't do anything wrong because she had not done anything wrong. I said, you're caught up in the storm that millions of people jumped into and caused this whole thing to happen. And you're stuck in it. Guys, when Jesus told them to get in the boat and cross and there's a storm, did they do something wrong and that's why the storm hit? No. See, some of you in this room, and by the way, if you've done something wrong, then yeah, that's why you're in a storm, Jonah, okay? <laughs> but if you keep searching and searching, I can't find that I've done anything wrong, I've searched the scripture, then guess what? If you spent two months looking for something you did wrong, guess what's not there? There's no hidden sin. And so you need to lighten up on yourself. You're in a storm because you're in a storm. And that storm has many other reasons and many other benefits that will come your way if you follow the storm and live it out correctly. Amen? Now, point three, and I'm going to give you four bullets off point three, and that is my focus determines my stability. Okay, let me read verses 26 to 31. And it says... When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And every one of us would have said the same thing too, okay? And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, notice he said, If it is you. He still don't believe it yet, okay? If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. 
And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Notice, he began to sink. He didn't sink all the way to the bottom. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him, and said to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, let me give you this whole focus thing, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Four things I want to bring out about this that I think help. The first bullet point is this. In the storm, the Savior, not the storm, needs to be your and I greater reality. Does it not? Okay, as they're out on this boat, and everything's falling apart, here comes Jesus walking on water. What do they think he is again? Ghost. He's a ghost. Now, they don't think it's really Jesus. They think it's a, it's a ghost. So Jesus is not the reality in that moment, right? Right? Okay, since he's not the reality, what is the greater reality in the midst of their storm? The storm, okay? The storm. The storm is the greater reality in that moment of their lives, not Jesus. That's a very dangerous place to be because if the storm is the greater reality, then we're going to walk in fear and doubt, are we not? But if Jesus is the greater reality, then we're going to walk in faith, correct? If the storm is the greater reality, it'll suck all the joy and peace out of our lives. If Jesus is the greater reality, then we'll have peace and joy and love in the Holy Spirit, amen? We'll have those things. It's, it's just a guarantee if we do that. So that's what we've got to watch. Now, from there, now we're going to see the next thing. The next bullet point is this. Take your next step of obedience toward Jesus. Now, watch. They get to the shore. Guys, get in the boat. What does Peter do? Steps in the boat. Okay? Got it? Okay, now go to the other side. That's next step. We're going to go to the other side. They begin rowing. Step two. When they're out in the middle of it and everything's going crazy, here comes Jesus cruising by, walking on water. And then Peter says, hey, if that's you, and how many of us say that when we're about to step out, huh? God, if this is you, let me come out there. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter has stepped into the boat. Peter now is rowing towards the other side. He's taking another step. There's a third step. Peter, step out of the boat and walk on water. Ah. Ah. Have you ever thought this? That when you're in a storm, I'm talking to you Christians. When you're in a storm, the storm has a way of prodding you and I to take a step that we had not taken before that we're supposed to be taken. Any amens? Have you ever thought that? It's designed to move you and I into greater obedience with Jesus Christ. So it's designed to, you got whatever that next step is. And for some of us, it's been gnawing at us on the inside that we're supposed to be doing a certain thing for Jesus in the local church, and we're just not doing it. And we've gone through storm after storm, and we're still not doing it. The storm is designed to wake us up to whatever the next step might be in our life from Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, the third thing is this. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You got to keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, so um, here comes Peter. Peter, uh, 
He says, come on, walk on the water. Peter's doing great, isn't he? Isn't he? Yeah. And then what does he do? He's looking at Jesus. He's walking on water. He's moonwalking back. No, he's not doing that. And, and then what does he do? What, where does he go wrong? What does he do? What does he see? The wind. How do you see wind? I'll let you think on that for a couple years, okay? Okay, I'll give it. You see the effects of it, all right? And he sees it. And he begins to sink. Because he's looking at the wrong stuff. But, once he, but as he keeps his eyes on Jesus, he's walking on water. Because he's walking toward Jesus and he's not looking at all the effects, all the storm. He's not looking at the stuff. He's not looking at the waves. He's not looking at the storm. He's, not look, he's looking at Jesus. And of course, like I said last week, somebody's going to say, well, he sank. Wow, what an optimist. Okay, slow down. Well, yeah, but he walked. And don't you think the other 11 disciples in the boat are out there thinking, oh my gosh. When he gets back in, he goes, how did you do that? Because you see, for Peter, taking a step out of the boat for Jesus is not a theory anymore, is it? It's an experience. He knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like to trust Jesus. He knows what it feels like to trust Jesus and walk on water in impossible circumstances. He knows that for the other 11, it's just a theory. You see, in our Christianity, people are not impressed with theories. They want to hear how you live in it. They want to hear what you're doing. They want to hear that it works. You see, we can, sit there, we can be Christians who just talk and don't have the experience. Jesus um, even tells Nicodemus when he's debating with him in John chapter 3, New Testament Gospel, he says, we speak that which we know. And we bear witness to what we have seen. In other words, Jesus says, I've been to heaven, I'm back, I've seen it. He says, I know what I'm talking about. I have experience in that. And our Christianity needs to be where we step out in the experience of the Word of God and when we share with people, we know what we're talking about, right? Because it's not just an experience. It's not a theory. It's an experience. Now, let me, um, let me, let me share with you something that, that I, I was impressed by the Spirit of God three weeks ago when I, um, when I put this together. Um, <clears throat> put yourself in the boat and it's storming and Peter steps out on the water oh my gosh oh my gosh now if you're in the boat and everything's still storming and the waves are still crashing over you and your hair's all wet are you looking at the storm and the waves or are you looking at Peter walking on water honestly what are you looking at I don't even see the storm anymore. All I see is Peter walking on water, right? Now take that mom, dad, grandparents, auntie, uncles. They're in the boat. And Peter, in the storm, is walking on water, looking at Jesus. You go through storms. And you got little kids in the family. And they're watching you. And they're watching you. They're watching if you're going to walk on water and keep your eyes on Jesus or not. And as you walk on that water and you stay in the word 
and you keep believing in Jesus, you're walking those little kitties in that boat of your home, in that boat of your life. Nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, grandkids, they're watching stability in the midst of storm, which will help them later on in life when they go through storms and they have seen you trust Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus, not quit church, not quit the Bible, not quit worship, not quit serving, but you kept your eyes on Jesus and that will give them a greater head start in life against the trials of life. Amen to that one? It's just that simple. But if you're start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, they're going to learn to, well, that's what I do. I start, stop with God. Don't start, stop. Don't start, stop. You start, and you go to the other side, no matter what opposition comes your way. Amen? Okay. Keep your eyes on Jesus. So, um, about three weeks ago, I was over uh, my son Nathan's house in Lincoln, She's a year and a half old. Any of you have a child or a grandkid that never stops going? No, I mean never stops going. No, I really, really mean like never, ever, ever stops going. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like it's just constant. It's like I, I'm worn out in eight seconds with you. It's just like nonstop. And, and, and you know, and so Lincoln, who's nonstop, she likes to climb on the coffee table. And Nathan said, no, 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 no. And me as a granddad watching Nathan going, this is great. <laughs> I've never experienced this before. <laughs> they won't listen to you. What a shock. <laughs> you know? And he no, no. And he'll go get her and take her off. And as soon as he takes her off, what does she do? She's going to climb right back up, right? Because who does she remind you of? You and I with God. Amen to that one, right? And so... Back and forth. Then one time, I get her off, I pick her up, and you know, when I pick her up, she wants to get back down, so what does she do? <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about, right? They do that, oh, that stretch, slide. they want to slide through your arms, right? Okay. And so this one time, I'm watching her, because, you know, I'm looking for illustrations, and um, <laughs> it's great. I have a whole new source of illustrations. That's why I need more grandkids, Destiny, please, okay? Um, no pressure, though. <laughs> so she climbs back on the, on the coffee table. And this time she falls off. And she falls off. She's a year and a half old. As she falls off, her arm, bang, in midair, hits the coffee table. Her body slams to the ground. And at that moment, I'm waiting for, you know it, that type of cry where they go like this. <laughs> and nothing comes out of their mouth, right? And you're looking, waiting for 30 seconds. And then after then they go, ah, you know what I mean? Did you guys count all the fillings in my mouth when I did that? Or? Okay, God bless you, friend. Chile Verde, thank you. Okay, it's right there. Okay, thanks, bro. Yeah, and so, but she hits the ground and she doesn't cry. Not a sound. And I look, who said, uh oh? <laughs> and so, I look over at her, and here's what she did as she fell. Bang, hits her arm. Bang, hits the ground. She doesn't cry because when she hit the ground, she went like this, and she spotted a toy. <laughs> and she goes after the toy. And the toy, because she looked at the toy, she didn't feel any of the pain on her arm or her body slammed to the ground because the focus on the toy kept her from thinking about all the pain that she's just experienced. Amen? Amen. 
Same thing with following Jesus. Sometimes life is painful, isn't it? We slam our arms. We slam our bodies. Satan's real. People hurt us. People wound us. We try things, goes wrong. Try another thing, goes wrong. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, yeah, there's pain. But we have a greater focus. And we can survive the pain. We can survive the hurt. Because Jesus. Because I'm focusing on Jesus. Am I right? That's a lesson to be learned. The fourth thing is this. Funnel the storm through your faith. Now, this is the, the most important thought I'm going to give you in my opinion today. It's A, B, C. A stands for, I wish I would have put it on the screen, but I didn't. And, and you got to get this one. A stands for actual event. Say actual event. B stands for belief. Say belief. C stands for consequence. Say consequence. Okay, here we go. Actual event, belief, consequence. Okay. They're out there in the storm. That's A. That's the actual event, correct? That's really what's going on. You and I go through storms. That's the actual event. It's really happening. The B is our belief in the middle of the storm. It's how we download the actual event. It's how we funnel it through our mind. Will I funnel the event through the words of God? Or will I funnel it through my emotions or old baggage or old pain or old thing? Which way will I go? Because if I funnel it through anything outside the word of God, then what happens is like Peter told, like Jesus told Peter, why did you doubt? The word doubt means to divide, meaning the mind gets split between doubt, faith, faith, doubt, doubt, faith. You ever been there? It's because our download is wrong. But if we keep in the Word of God, keep studying the Word of God, keep being taught the Word of God, the Word of God now becomes implanted in us, like James, the half-brother of Jesus said, and now we begin to download everything through the Word of God. Because you see, there's a consequence to which way you download. If you download according to the Word of God, well, guess what? You get to walk on water and then get back in the boat, right? But if you download according to old thinking, stinking thinking, old baggage, worldly ways, worldly thoughts, this and that, you're going to sink in the water. And how many of us have sunk in the water too many times, right? Too many times. Because we download it incorrectly. You funnel every thought, every experience, every actual event through the Word of God. If you don't, you will sink for months, if not years. And you'll be back and forth with God and back and forth with God and back and forth with God and you're going to end up going nowhere. You funnel it, you submit your emotions, you submit your thoughts to the obedience of Christ and you funnel everything by faith through that and then you watch your consequences. It will be a lot better than it was. The tendency is though for us to pull away from church when storms happen, not read the word, not fellowship, not do this. Can I ask you a question? How does that help you in the middle of a storm? It makes it worse. It, you're living like an unbeliever now, like a person who doesn't believe there's a God. If you ever need God, the most important time you got is in a storm. Peter needed him in the storm. Otherwise, he's going to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. Last thought. Last thought. Okay. 
Remember, the previous event was Jesus multiplied bread and and the five loaves, two fish for 5,000 men. And then they get in the boat, the launch, and then the storm erupts on that Sea of Galilee. 5,000 are fed, then a storm erupts on the Sea of Galilee. Okay. They never forgot this event, I guarantee it. You know why? Because you flash forward to the New Testament letter of the book of Acts. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost, the day that church is born, the church age. The church age will come to a close in the rapture. But he's preaching. Do you remember how many people got saved in Acts chapter 2? 3,000. By Acts chapter 4, the church is growing, and now it's gone from 3,000 to 5,000. And then you go four chapters later, Stephen's just been killed. He's the first martyr. And now Paul, Saul Paul, he brings persecution to the church, and the church has to scatter. Ah, so 5,000 are saved and then the storm of persecution erupts. Can you, let's do the math together. Earlier, 5,000 are fed and now we're in a storm. Now, 5,000 are saved and now we're in a storm. Is it possible? Is it just possible? And it is that when we go through the storms of life, if we don't quit, if we don't stop start, that the storm is preparing you and I for greater challenges in the future. Is it possible? You better believe it is. You better believe it is. You can't tell me they didn't put two and two together and they go, oh my gosh, we've been here before. We've been here before and Jesus came through for us and God can be trusted. God can be trusted. Amen. Series over. Del Campo out. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Don't you love that, Dylan? You can't steal that. That's my trademark, okay? Let's pray. God, we're so grateful. We're so grateful, God, that you're always with us. You're up on the mountain praying for us in the middle of the storm when there's tremendous opposition, the boat's being battered, it's dark, oh my God, and we're terrified. But you're with us. If you're here today and you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, And if you're at home watching and you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, then maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day you say, okay, Jesus, I believe you're the God man. I've heard enough to understand now that you did die for my sins and you took my punishment on that cross. You took the separation from God when you said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because you carried my sins so that I would no longer be separated from God and I could come into relationship with God through you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood that was 
spilled from your body to torture because that's the blood that forgives sins. I believe that you died for me, that they buried you. And three days later, you rose from the dead, offering me new life. Today, I want that life. I want eternal life. If you want that, friend, then I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, today's day, or if you backslid, and you know it, get it right now. Let's get it right. And renew that relationship with Jesus and never, ever pull your foot off the pedal and go all the way. So if you'd like to put your faith in Jesus or rededicate your life, I'm going to ask you to do one thing as a sign between you, me, and God. I want you to open up your eyes and look up at me, whether in this room or at home. I'm going to look around the room. When our eyes meet, you can close them again. But let's do it right now. Here we go. I'll look at home first. God bless you guys at home. God bless you. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I'm going to say this prayer, and those who looked up at me, you're going to repeat it out loud with me. Now, don't worry. We're all going to say it with you. In the New Testament, it teaches us in Romans chapter 10. It's an early creed. It predates the written scriptures. It's a verbal thing, but they put it in there. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That's what you're going to do right now. You're going to confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You're going to be saved. Saved from what? Yourself. Saved from sin. Saved from Satan. And you're going to come into an eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. So repeat after me, everyone, especially those who looked up at me. And put your faith in Jesus as you say it. Those who looked up. Here we go. Thank you, Jesus. For loving me a lot. That you would give your life for mine. I believe that you are God. The God-man. I believe you died for me. And were raised from the dead to give me new life I embrace that life today Holy Spirit come into me forgive me of my sins thank you for forgiving me of all my sins now let me pray God I pray for everyone who looked up listen friend now you must follow up on this stuff This is not just, oh, I believe there's a God and you walk away. No, 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 no. That's not what belief means. You jump in two feet first. The deep end. You begin to come into worship, come into church and worship God. You begin to learn about God. 
get a Bible. You don't have a Bible? We have them at the Connect Center in the lobby. They're free. You stay in the New Testament for two years. Just stay in there. Get around Christians. They'll help you along. Start being taught the Bible. Start following and learning about the one who loves you and gave his life for you. It's a great, great life. No regrets here after 42 years. Thank you, Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices over anyone who repents. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all said, Amen, amen and Amen. Praise the Lord. Stand up with me, everybody. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.